The views and opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. For more information on this or other KUCI programs, visit KUCI.org or KUCITalk.org. I find this scientifically fascinating. You're listening to KUCI Irvine. Disengage this computer now. Broadcasting at 88.9 FM. Hello, computer. And on the web at KUCI.org. The most reliable computer ever made. And streaming through iTunes. Don't expect any mercy during the Great Robot Wars. Anteater Radio brought to you by machines. Returning to normal broadcast in free. Two, one. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to UCI Conversations, a weekly public affairs program dedicated to exploring everything in the land of blue and gold with interviews of UCI leaders, innovators, and last but not least, Zot, 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 everyday anteaters. All right. Hello, everybody. This is UCI Conversations, and I'm your host, Kevin Bossemeyer. And today we have a special encore presentation, which was originally recorded when UCI alumni John Lovitz from Saturday Night Live fame was on KUCI way back in the summer of 2018. He was scheduled to appear at the Irvine Barclay Theater on campus. So this interview is about his upcoming show, but it's also about his days at UCI, being a struggling actor, and finally hitting the big time when he made it on SNL. Just for fun, I'm going to start the interview from the moment John Lovitz calls into the station, and you'll hear a little behind-the-scenes banter that usually gets edited out before going on the air. So remember, the parts about the upcoming appearance on September 29th, 2018, obviously have already happened. Just enjoy hearing about John's life and some really big stars like Ringo Starr, Marlon Brando, David Bowie, and Dustin Hoffman. Here we go. Hey, Kevin Bossmeyer from KUCI. Yeah, it's John Lovett. Hey, John, how you doing? Good, how are you? I'm very good. Are you ready to go? <coughs> yeah. Okay, great. I'm just going to do a short intro, and I'm actually just doing a sound check as we speak. Are you the UCI radio station? Exactly. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. I wanted so, to do that when I was there. I tried to get involved in it, but I don't, I don't know what happened. Well, we'll make room for you anytime you want to come back. <laughs> <laughs> okay. How many listeners do you have? Uh, that's always a good question. Uh, I'm, the station manager is now telling me. Millions. He says millions. <laughs> So within the millions, within the sound of my voice, you know, it basically on the campus they listen to it. Yeah, exactly. I used we to when I was we there. get basically all of Irvine, right? Yeah, we go oh, all the way to Orange. Depends on the weather. So yeah, let me do the the intro, and then we'll just jump into it. Okay, here's the intro. Hello, this is Kevin Bossemeyer with UCI Conversations, and my guest today is a UCI alum who has an amazing background as a comedian and actor. Besides movies and TV, perhaps his biggest credential is that he was a cast member on Saturday Night Live from 1985 to 1990 with Dana Carvey, Dennis Miller, and Mike Myers. Welcome, John Lovitz. John, welcome. How are you doing? Great. Thank you. Fantastic. Well, 
how you been, John? I mentioned to a couple of people that I was going to be interviewing you, and a number of people said, yeah, what's, what's John Lovett's been up to? So please, the stage is yours. Well, the, the last 15 years or so, 16, I've been traveling the country doing stand-up comedy and playing you know, clubs and casinos and theaters. It's been really great. I, I love doing it because I get to write and perform my own material. And then I'll do it mostly it's like cameos. It seems like TV shows and movies. Yeah, yeah, great, great. Well, as a, as a matter of fact, you're going to come here on campus Saturday, September 29th in the evening with John Lovitz. It's going to be at the Barclay Theater. Uh, we'll give ticket information at the end here. We're excited. Right, well, it's my stand-up comedy act, you know. Gotcha, gotcha. So is this like a an official tour or just kind of part, you know, part of what you're just doing all the time? Part of what I do it I uh, all the time. I do it year-round. Uh-huh. And so, anyway, I've never actually... I performed at the uh, the Improv in Irvine, but never like on campus doing the, sh- the show. Yeah. So it's my stand-up show. You know, and I say it's for adults. It's rated R for mature audiences. And, you know, I talk about, I make fun of myself and politics and things that are going on with, and socially and play the piano and sing funny songs. And the show, I would say, is extremely politically incorrect because it, it, the, the line keeps changing, you know, but uh, yeah. humor doesn't, so I don't really adjust it. But at times, so most of the people like it, and some complain. What can you do? Yeah. Who were your comic influences when you were growing up? Is there, you know, anybody that you recall that was just like every time? Well, yeah, the, I, I wanted to be comedian. And I saw Woody Allen. Well, I like comedy, but I saw Woody Allen his first movie when I was thirteen, "Take the Money and Run," uh, and I really loved it. And I wanted to be comedian like that. And then I saw this movie called Lenny about the comedian Lenny Bruce Yeah. when I was 16. And then, so I wanted to hear the real, starring Dustin Hoffman and I wanted to hear the real Lenny Bruce. So I went and bought his uh, record albums. And then I saw Lenny Bruce, uh, that Woody Allen was also a standup and bought his albums. And then I, I lived in the dorms in the, in Mesa court in Prado. Okay. And they would have a talent night. So I used to do the routines from Lenny Bruce and Woody Allen's uh, albums. I would do them for talent night. Yeah. And besides, I was a drama major, you know. Early. Right, right. But in the dorm, I would do that. Yeah. How did, you know, since you were, were you making it your own or were you pretty much just, you know, kind of copying the whole thing? And, and I was and, trying to copy them, you know. I yeah. was doing their routines verbatim. Yeah. And that I would, like, I'd write Woody Allen's, like, you know, his routines on index cards and make little arrows where his voice would go up and down. Yeah. Basically, I was just imitating them. Yeah, and it, it, you know, you got feedback, and it went over well. Yeah, they really liked it. Yeah, okay. But I mean, they're great comedians, so it's hard. Right. To but yeah, and I did about twenty-one plays when I was at Irvine. They, they used to do so many plays. Like, are they still in the quarter system every ten weeks? Yes, they are. Yeah, so that's yeah, it was like that when I was there, and so they would do fifteen plays every quarter. Uh-huh. We do forty-five plays a year, so you could you. That's why I got to do so many shows. You could do as much as you as you wanted. Gotcha, gotcha. And it was great. So once you got out of college, when did you graduate from UCI? Uh, 1979. 79, okay. So I got a, B, a BA in uh, drama. Right. What were those first years like? Did you feel like it was like, could you kind of see it building, or was it like... Oh, you know, no, I there was... No, when, at a, after college, it was nothing. I mean, yeah. I had a job at a clothing store, and then a friend of mine from college, Mike Sabatino, who was also a drama major, he graduated a quarter early, and I said, well, what do we do? And he said, well, everything in Los Angeles is yeah. on camera, so I'm taking a class called the 
for camera acting on the camera called the Film Actors Workshop. So I did that. And then I, I moved to New York for a year and I did like the Renaissance Fair and I did an Oscar Wilde play, like Off Off Broadway, they called called it. And I liked it, but it, I couldn't get any work. So I moved back to Los Angeles when I was 25 and went to the Groundlings, which was an improv theater group. And they thought I, they had a school. I go, if I could work my way up, get in the company and get seen, it would help. Yeah. Because the same guy, Mike Sabatino, Mike ha- had an agent. Yeah. I said, well, how did you get an agent? He goes, well, you got to get on stage so they can see you. Uh-huh. Went, oh, so I, so that's I did that. And then I was there for about three years. And then I got Saturday Night Live. Yeah. But Can it you... was tough. I, I started working on July 15th, when, a week before I turned 28. Gotcha. And other than that, I had one job for two weeks. So what was that whole process of getting Saturday Night Live? You know, you, so that it's like you got a bite. They're like, oh, hey, we saw you. We're interested. Or, or was it, you know, did it take a well, little while? Well, Lauren Michaels was coming back. He'd been off the, the producer. He'd been off the show for five years. Ah. And he was coming back to produce it. And so they were looking for people. And, and Lorraine Newman saw me in a show there when I, I was understudying a show that Phil Hartman was starring in. So she recommended me to Lauren. And then I was in the Growlings in it. And we opened a new show in January of 85, and then March 28th of 85, they put the Growlings on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, and I did, they had three sketches, and I was in two of them. Yeah. And then they helped me get an agent, and then I got and I got auditions, and I got everything I auditioned for, and I, and I got a movie with Charles Grodin, and he, the actor, and he recommended me to Lauren. Yeah. And then I just had to keep auditioning, and met Tom Davis and Al Franken. You know, Senator Alfred. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not then, and just kept auditioning, and they and somehow I made it to the final ten, and they flew me to New York and auditioned uh, again and yeah. twice, and then they, somehow I got it. You know, well, it was like they go, what, they go, they're looking for five regulars out of ten, and, <clears throat> and one guy didn't show up, so it was like five spots for nine people, and then it turned out there was one spot for nine people, and I, somehow I got it. Oh, can you tell us? Can you relive that? Can you share that? Oh yeah, I remember Lorraine Newman called me up and she goes, "You got it." I go, "What shows? You got the show?" I go, "I did." So I called the show, the producer, and I said, "I got the show." She goes, "No." She goes, "Who told you that?" I go, "Lorraine." She goes, oh, "She shouldn't have told you that." Said, well, did I get it? Oh, well, we're not. We can't say. Uh huh. And then uh, I called Charles Gordon. I said, "I don't know what to do." Lorraine said, "I got it." And the show said, "I didn't." Can you? Like, yeah. Yeah. Find out. Yeah. He goes, yeah. So he called me back five minutes later. He goes, yeah, I talked to Lauren. He goes, you got it. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I just couldn't believe it. And and I just was in shock. And I drove down to the Groundlings Theater, and which is like a 99-seat theater. My yeah. teacher, uh, my main teacher was Randy Bennett. And he was teaching a class. And I went, I go, Randy, I got it. He goes, Randy, he goes I got it. He goes, you got it? You got it? And he started crying. Oh. And everybody, he goes, he just got started in life. And it was not, everyone applauded. It was great. Yeah, yeah, great moment. Excellent. Hey, John, have you ever played Ringo Starr? You, you, you're huge. Yeah. You're, you know, did you do it on Saturday Night Live? Yes. Oh, I, you know, I don't know why, but in my mind, I always think you know you have a little, you know, a little bit of resemblance. But your humor <laughs> is so Ringo. You know, it's just you know, kind of a different take on things. Kind of like a hard, day, hard day's Well, night. we were doing some sketch, and then. And about the Beatles, and they cast me as Ringo. Yeah, yeah. And then I actually met him a, a few times. And the first time I said, "Oh, I played you on Saturday Night Live." And then I met him again about a month later, a couple months later, and I said, "Oh, I, I met you. I played you on SNL." He goes, "Yeah, you told me that last time I met you." <laughs> oh, I didn't think he'd remember. Yeah, right, right, right. But he was really nice, and we talked for a long time. The second time I met him about everything. Yeah. And drumming and the music, and, and then. Uh, 
one time I ran in, he goes, hey, how you doing? You know, and I, I was, oh my God, he remembers me. Yeah, right, right. So, yeah, uh, very... that thing, meet, meeting all those people, the best part, you know, goes about, they go, well, what's the best part, you know, about being on the show? I go, well, you get to act with great actors, and I go, and then you get to meet everybody. Yeah. And I get to ask them about what they do, like, you know, like a fan, like, I go, can I ask you about what you do? They go, yeah, whatever you want, yeah. ask me anything. Yeah. They were all like that, and then I go, what was it like that? When I one time I met David Bowie, and I talked, we talked for like an hour and a half. Yeah, just he and I. I mean, you, you, I would, I met everybody and, and asked about what they do. Yeah, yeah. Became it, friends with a lot of them. When you but, think back of all your experiences, all the people you've met, is there, is there one person that you're like, I still can't believe I met that? I mean, hanging out with David Bowie for an hour or however long, that's pretty big. But I mean, is there anybody else off? You know that you're like I still can't believe I you know hung out. Mm. Not one, well, not one person, but a lot of them. I mean, yeah. I mean, I've gotten, I got to meet all the, the biggest actors that I like grew up watching and admired, and then they like, became friends with some of them, like Dustin Hoffman, who I imitated in college, you know, and then I, I met him once, and then he didn't know who he was, and I met him again eight months later. He goes, "Oh, my kids love you. You got to come over to the house for dinner." Oh. Stuff like that just blows me away. Yeah, and I ended up becoming friends with him. All right. <clears throat> the best part was, you know, you, after college, you know, I go, well, "Am I a professional actor yet? Am I a professional actor yet?" And like Penny Marshall befriended me, which was amazing, and then I met through her Robert De Niro, and then he tried to help me, and, and you know, people like that, and. I, I've met all the great actors, Al Pacino and Jack Nicholson, and all, and they're all like telling me they're friends of mine. And then, yeah. And then, uh, wow. I mean, after college, I got a job at the clothing store, and uh, Rick Palak was called, and Rick was a, my dad was a doctor and he was a patient. Uh, Rick was a patient of my dad's. My dad got me the job, and then Rick had a selling clothes out of an apartment, right? And I worked in, and then, but I moved back from New York after I worked for him for a year and a half. And he had a regular store. And anyways, so anyway, he had a cashier, and the cashier's boyfriend was Miko Brando's dad, Marlon Brando. Uh, so he and I, he became one of my best friends because she'd say, "Miko, you're bugging me. Go with John and take his sandwiches." Anyway, I just I actually just had lunch with him now, and we were talking about his dad and how I got to meet Marlon, and you know, and he taught an acting class, and I got to do an improv with him. That was amazing. Wow. Are you, Mar- with Mar- Marlon Brando. And then oh, my God. You know, we're- and he calls me. He goes, John, my dad wants to talk to you. And he goes, hey, that was, you were really good in that improv. Wow. I was really impressed by your acting. So, because you have Marlon Brando, so he's impressed by my acting. So. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, a, that's a handle to hold on to for your life. Marlon <laughs> yeah. We're, we're so the same generation, John. I go, that, yeah, that these actors that I, you know, grew up, looked up to, and then they tell me they're fans of my work and stuff. And that's like... And yeah. this is all the top guys. Yeah. Said it, and so that I'm proud of that. Yeah. It, it still blow, I don't. It just still blows me away. Yeah, d- definitely. Very cool. I know we we we're, we got to kind of keep pushing on because you know the short time we have. But you know, are you a different comedian today than you were when you were younger? Do you look at it like that, or or not really? No, no, I don't think. I'm, I mean, I'm older. You know. Yeah. I mean, I'm 61. When I went to Irvine, I was 18. <laughs> right. So, yeah, you know, stuff happens and you change. And, uh, I, you know, I, I would just say I'm an older version of me. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not a... So you just... You know, so is it I'm like... an 18-year-old in, in my first year of school. I didn't know anything, you know. And then I'm like the same, but I've learned so much. And, mm-hmm. You know, life happens and things happen and you 
I used to say, matured reluctantly. You know, it just <laughs> stuff happens. It's tough to deal with. And, um, you know, it's tough. And so you, d- you just end up growing. And so I'm, I have to say I'm better and I have more depth, but I wouldn't say my humor's changed. Gotcha. But as far as my stand-up, it's like Jimmy Breslin was the um, he, the great New York, you know, columnist, and he hosted the show, and then I ran into him about a year later, and he said, he goes, are you doing stand-up? And I go, well, I'm afraid what if I say something offends somebody in the audience? You know, like two old women in the audience, my grandmother's age. And he said, hey, if I come to, to uh, see you do your show, he goes, I want to hear what you have to say. I don't want you to change it because of who's in the audience. Uh... So that always stuck in my head. So I didn't really have anything to say when I was 28 because all, except for about acting, because I was just obsessed with it uh, because I felt that's what I had to do to make it, which was true. But then once I started working, I didn't have to have another job. So you could kind of have a little breathing room and look around the world and start forming opinions about what do you think of this? And so that's what my standup is. It's like what I think about different things that happen as opposed to yeah. you know, uh, characters from my, from that I did from Saturday Night Live. Gotcha. You know, so in that way you grow, but but I don't think my humor has changed. No. Gotcha. So <laughs> is it like just instinctual? What strikes you is like this is this is funny. I've, I'm looking at this as this is funny. There's something that I can. Yeah, develop. it's stuff that 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 happens that that in my mind doesn't make sense to me, and it's like doing a double take in my head. I'm like, they said what? You know, they yeah. do. I go, well, yeah. that's ridiculous. Why don't they just do this? And then I just start coming up with material. And that, and to me, a large part of my act is about that now because I think I just think there's a big uh, social upheaval going on, and it just keeps happening. It happened in the '60s, and it happened again. It's happening now, you know. And, yeah. And so I talk about that, and then I realize, you know, it's just normal, and things change to the point where you don't understand it anymore, mm-hmm. and stuff that used to be thought of as, uh, you know, normal and acceptable no longer is. You're like, mm-hmm. what? Mm. What do you mean? And it it catches you by surprise. Mm-hmm. But it's every new generation they come up with their own stuff, and then and then that becomes normal. <laughs> and mm. you know mm. they'll see in thirty years from now, everybody like you can't do that. Like, <laughs> what do you mean? We're young and free and liberal, and everyone's like, no, no, that's old fashioned. Yeah, that's not that anymore. <laughs> and it, yeah, it catches you by surprise. It's very strange. Yeah, it's like it caught my parents by surprise. Like the hippies, not like my father was baffled by it. Yeah, looking back on those days, and you think, what were the, the you know, the older generation? They just must have been, their heads must have been spinning. <laughs> like, what? Well, they were. What is going on? Well, hey, we're running out of time, John. Do you want to, you know, for the folks out there who are, you know, <coughs> m- might be considering coming to the show on September 29th here at UCI's Barclay Theater. Anything that you want to say, you know, come on out. Any, any well, yeah, come on out to the show. It's very silly. You know, I make fun of everything. I, I mean, if you don't have the ability to laugh at yourself, you might not like the show. Okay. But other than that, you'd like it. I make fun of myself. I make fun of everyone. Gotcha. But it's good nature. And Do you have a repartee with the audience at all, or is it is it like that? You mean, do I talk to the audience? Yeah. Well, no, I don't like going to the audience. Okay. Well, uh, you know, it's a. I would say the show. It's smart, clever, silly, very immature, (laughs) ridiculous. You know. Yeah. Yeah. People. You know, it's just it's comedy. Just letting go and having a fun time, having a good night. Yeah. Yeah, On a Saturday night, what better thing to do? Yeah, it'll be fun. It's got something for everyone. 
Fantastic. John, thanks so much for being with us. We're looking forward to your return to UCI. Can't wait. Me too. Okay. Thank you. Nice talking with you. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you again to UCI's 1979 alumni, John Lovitz, from Saturday Night Live fame for a wonderful quick walk through his career and his time at UCI. Though his performance at UCI has come and gone, he will be appearing in Tempe, Arizona the weekend of May 28, 2021 for several shows with more to follow. Check him out on Google. You've done well, Mr. Lovitz. Keep up the good work and keep making us all laugh. And now turning the page, coming up next on KUCI is Entrepreneur Nation with Ash Kumra, the show that looks to make a difference by offering solutions to business problems, by interviewing experienced business leaders. Stay tuned. You are listening to UCI Conversations, where every week we explore another corner of the land of blue and gold with interviews of UCI leaders, innovators, and zot, 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 everyday anteaters. I'm your host, Kevin Bossenmeyer. Comments and suggestions are always welcome at kboss at KUCI.org. And this show and past shows are always available 24-7 on my podcast archive website at www.bossenmeyer.com. This is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Though the show was relatively short today, you will have the treat of hearing extended cuts from Fred Kaplan's outstanding blue CD signifying. Wishing you a pleasant good evening. Keep working hard, and I highly encourage you to get that vaccine. It makes all the difference. It has for me. We will see you next week. So long, everybody. Take it away, Piano Man Fred Kaplan.